I'm so excited to be here today. I hope you're as excited as I am to talk to you about how we, our company keeps in touch with our customers. Um, so um, just a little bit about myself to begin with. Uh, I'm president and co-founder of Stonic Systems. Uh, Stonic is a uh, company that provides utility billing software. So if you have received that bill in the mail that you hate to receive and you sometimes yell at your kids for using too much water or electricity, that's probably from us. So sorry about that. But um, I'm also uh, excited to tell you that we are based in Lubbock, Texas, out in the boondocks, if you've heard of it. Uh, so move over, Silicon Valley. We are creating the new Silicon Prairie. <laughs> so um, let's just orient ourselves. <clears throat> I'm here to talk about um, what kind of a company that would help you understand um, the processes that we are talking about today. So uh, if you look at that picture, you see a company start up and get up and get to a good position. Uh, that man in the middle, uh, if you say that's where Apple is now, standing tall and proud, um, we and you hopefully are all just before that. We're getting, we've gotten off the ground. We're still not there yet. We're more than two people. We are not yet $100 billion. So somewhere in between, and you can certainly use us, uh, our techniques that we've discovered at Starnik using Lean Startup Principle. Of course, we're not there in the retirement state that this guy seems to be in. But um, let me tell you, today I'm going to talk about a little bit about our story, where we are, how we got here, and then I want to show you how that might be of use to you. So, <clears throat> Starnik, uh, the unique thing about Starnik is that um, it's business to business, which to some people is not as interesting, but uh, really, you tend to develop a great relationship with your customers over the years because you get the same customers that stay with you for a long time. And so it's more of a people-to-people -people business than the business-to-customer relationship. Um, the other thing is you don't actually use the product that, you're, um, that you produce. Uh, if we were building Snapchat, it would be different. We would know how to use it. But you don't send, or at least I don't send a utility bill to my kids for their use of electricity. So you, you have to really understand your customers in order to know how the product should be built, how your business should grow, what are the opportunities and the challenges ahead of time. So um, I'm going to explain how we evolved that process of, of uh, connecting with our customers, how we inadvertently came upon it, and and then I'm going to end with some takeaways for you. So let's start. Um, in the early days when we started, uh, there was just me. I was head of product. I was uh, customer service. I was telephone operator. I was everything. And then we had our amazing engineering team. So I would talk to the customer. Every customer was extremely important talk to them, get to know their business, really understand their paradigm, and then come back and find a solution that would even amaze our customers. 
you know, discuss with engineers, <clears throat> and then I would find a solution for them. And that really worked well. The customers uh, enjoyed our product. They would ask for one thing and we would give them better than what they had expected. And <clears throat> but as we grew, as we really started growing, we had to develop a bigger team. We hired more people. We had customer support that talked directly to our customers. They did a great job. The customers were satisfied, but then this disconnected the engineering team from, from the um, customer support team. So we didn't get feedback from the customers. We didn't understand the customers. We got a little lost in the process. And when we lost touch with our customers, the engineering team that was building the product decided to go out on a limb and build these cool things that actually didn't really excite our customers. They started breaking some of their normal day-to-day -day processes. And just to give you a little bit of our environment, we provide one solution, one piece of software, which is a cloud solution that's pretty typical with cloud solutions. And many of our customers use it in different ways. So what would be good for one customer may not necessarily be good for another customer, but we have managed to build one that works for all. Uh, so, and it keeps them all in the latest version. So, uh, so we have to, and we do releases every other day, probably twice a week, once a week. So when we do that, we have to make sure that the new versions that come out do not break their old processes. And this was not happening. So then we uh, thought about it and we realized, wow, there's a gold mine in here. There, there's a whole slew of customer support people that understand our customers. They know their, uh, everything about them, they know their paradigm, and we were just overlooking their usefulness. So what we did was we started listening to our customer support people. I would walk over to them and ask them, did you know this would break, break their processes? And they'd go, yeah. And I'd say, well, why didn't you tell us? And they'd go, we didn't know we were supposed to say anything. So then the phone calls come and then they come up to us and say, you have to change this. This won't work for this person and that won't work for that person. So we said, okay, <clears throat> this has to change. So. What happened? We started incorporating them into our product development processes. We said, let's put them in the final testing. So everything that was developed and released had to go through customer support. They did user level testing, not unit testing, user level testing, and unless they approved, we would not release new code. This worked great. The phone calls reduced, customers were happy, but engineering slowed down. Everything would get, uh, half the work would get rejected, would come back, we'd have to redesign it, and then we would send it back. So that proved to be a problem to us until someone came up with a bright idea of including them, including customer support in the design sessions, in the design meetings. So we would um, get together and talk about new products, new features, and then we would have customer service, senior customer service people, or anyone related to that part of the system involved in it, and they would bring in valuable information. They would say, oh, this corporation would be 
terribly upset if we release that, or they would need another option, or, oh, you know what, they might like this other thing, you should add this. So they really liked that, we enjoyed it, and we were back on track with building the, uh, a piece of software that everyone loved. So when this got, that was better than what we had. When this got um, going, then we realized, wow, not only do they have good ideas in what shouldn't work, they seem to have great ideas in what would work. So we said, okay, let's, let's see if they can try design. You know, these are people who have not been in engineering, who don't have a background in product design, but they understand the user. They, they see the pain, they teach them the processes, they work through the training, they write the user manuals, and if something seems wrong to them, they know how it should be changed. They look at it from a different perspective from an engineer. An engineer would say, oh, I like, if they want to do a scheduler, do a daily, a weekly, an hourly, or every minute scheduler, he would get all excited about it, and they would say, why? They only send bills once a month. Why do you need a scheduler? It's too complicated to set up. And people make mistakes, and then you have bills going out every minute. Don't do that. So it, it worked great. So we got them involved in actually designing, and they loved it. They decided to, uh, they would throw, they would whiteboard stuff, they would draw things, uh, and we just let them use whatever tools they wanted. and um, and. One of the things they told me was, it's so cool to see something that I designed come up in production. And they started owning those pieces of code, and they were so proud of what they were doing. It just meant so much more to them. So, okay, I've given you one part of what we did, but what, what actually happened was, when we did this process, we realized there was so much more they could give us. They could talk to us about market trends, we, we knew about what new regulations were coming up because they were talking to the customers. Uh, we knew um, if rate changes were in, uh, in utility billing industry, the Public Utility Commission sets rates and those rates have to be approved and the rate changes, forthcoming rate changes usually means some software changes, but they would know all these things way ahead of time. They would tell us, they would tell us about key personnel leaving the organization so our CEO could go in and talk to them and say, do you need some training or do you need some support, extra services that we could render them. In one case, they actually found out that after we implemented new software in a customer, th that we actually saved them another $30,000 a year because they did not have to pay license for another, license fees for another software, which no one in our company was aware of, but once we made the marketing department aware of this, this was a huge selling piece for them and they went to the next customer. So uh, this was just a perfect <coughs> partnership. So you're probably thinking, well, how can I do this? This is not my industry. I'm not sending out bills. How am I going to use this in my company? And here's what uh, I've put down for you. So what would be good for you? What's your takeaway from this? So the first thing is make sure whatever you're building that you bring your customer service people and incorporate them into your product design, into your new innovations. Just 
think of them as a microcosm of your customers. If you have 10,000 customers, you can't possibly talk to all of them. And by the time you send out a survey, they've forgotten their problem. They may be too busy to answer you. They may not try to respond to a survey. But your customer service people know, if they speak to 15 <coughs> customers about the same problem, they know that needs to be fixed. And by listening to them, you're going to reduce your uh, customer support calls, which is what we found. We found that even though we grew more, our customer support calls went down significantly. And they were more uh, how-to calls than there's a problem with the system call. Because our customer support people were our guardians. They made sure that nothing went out that was wrong. So let them speak their own language. So if they want to do, you know, this is, this is a um, tool that most people know, Microsoft Paint. So you can use, let them use that, or whiteboard ideas, or whatever. It didn't matter. We tried buying them tools, and they said that was too complicated to learn to use, so we let them do whatever they wanted, and they just enjoyed it so much. So the other thing is it's really important is to trust them and give them veto power. Let them stop any release that would harm the customer or that they thought would not work. Um, that, that is so important and it has helped us on so many times. In fact, um, they actually have a lot, in our company, they have a lot more say in what goes out than even the engineers do. They, they are the ones that decide whether this can be done. I defer to them on a daily basis. Remember, these are the people who know the customer, who know what the customer actually wants. Uh, we can only guess, but they actually talk to them. So the third thing we did at Stonic is we brought everyone to the table, which meant that we actually um, brought the executives, the customer support, the product leads, everyone together in sessions, and, and they would all discuss new ideas. We would hear stories about the customer, and sometimes it was fun, sometimes it would, it would get into heated arguments, and, but it, it still worked. It helped us really understand what was necessary and put, put us all in the same track and made us a more coherent company that, would, uh, that was focused on solving customer problems. It also led us to finding out new areas to go into. So we started out with utility billing, but we found out that our customers really wanted to also do energy management. And so we uh, started going into that, and we can do um, pretty cool things now where we look at the weather data and decide how much of the water should be used as opposed to how much is actually used. We look at evapotranspiration rates and carbon emissions and all of those came out of ideas that customer support people gave us. So the fourth thing we did was we gave direct access to the top. A good example is um, the other day, our system, um, our system is really used throughout the country and uh, and in a couple other continents. And if it goes down, even for a few minutes or an hour, then a number of people across the nation are going to be out of work. They cannot work at that time. This is the core business software of many departments. So um, it's critical that we are always up, and we maintain that. 
And when something went down with our uh, SSL provider and our customers could not connect to their system, this was so unusual that I was alerted in, within minutes by a senior customer service rep. And we, I got onto the problem and we solved it in minutes. We did a workaround and had our customers going up and again. And if you've been doing everything that I've talked about today, you can trust them. You can actually trust them to only bother you if you have an emergency. They are responsible, they know what needs to be done, they have the company's best interests at heart. And um, so right now, how do you keep your executives close to your customers? Through customer support. So they are no longer just customer support. They're not the people who answer the phone and make you mad and want you to throw your iPhone down on the floor. They are the people whom you love who get more Christmas presents than I do for my customers and who are our solutions analysts. They, um, they're respected members of our team today and um, that's our story. I hope that was useful for you. Um, if you have any questions, I'll be glad to take them. Um, Oh, hi. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, um, Silvia Gonzalez with GE. Um, my question is around the interaction between your team and the customer. You said that the interaction is really through the customer support team. But have you done any uh, getting together or meetings between engineering and the customer so engineering can also see what the customer say directly, not from customer? Yeah, that's a really good question. You're right. We don't just take the customer support team's word for it because we know they're not experienced analysts and they cannot take requirements for new features. So if there's any serious need for new features, then we do do direct meetings with the customers. We use the customer support people more to identify any new features that are needed or to stop us from doing something really stupid but they would, um, the engineering team talks to the customers, we always keep the customer service people involved, and we also, whenever there's a problem, we also um, instruct them to do go-to meetings and record the videos so engineering can look at the problem. So that's one way we uh, translate it. That's a great question. Yes? Hi. Uh, my name is Ann Kramer with SweetCX. Um, my question is around, it seems like you've learned this early on, which is great. Um, thinking about these larger organizations, especially like the man who's starting to stoop in your original <laughs> slide. Um, how do you, what would you say to a larger company that does not have this respect and empowerment and, and um, process in place for including these frontline employees and in, in getting all the way to the executive? How, how would you propose addressing that in a, in a larger, older kind of company? That's also something I've thought a lot about. That's a great question too. What you can do is, um, I know in the larger companies, it's more protocol driven and you cannot have this informal discussion, but you do do surveys of customers. And I would say, data mine your customer support people find out what their opinions are because they have a consensus of what works and what doesn't. 
So you can get feedback from them just as if you would from your customer, but these are people who are more interested in helping your organization and reducing your phone calls and being proud of the product they're representing. So I would definitely say that's something you can do. Does it help you? Okay. Great. Right, thank you. Yes? Uh, two questions, actually. Um, well, I've got two questions. Uh, in customer support, um, personally, we've got like two things. One that answers the calls for any annoyed customer. Uh -huh. And, uh, but, uh, and the one that is more involved with the, the, the long conversation that you described. So if you can uh, articulate on what kind of customer support do you have and uh, <coughs> what kind of a relationship uh, they have with the customer. And uh, the second question is uh, if you can explain, well, basically uh, asking the, the, I agree it's not a good idea to give, as a, as a trained engineer, I think it's a bad idea to give engineers the, the freedom to uh, develop a product. Um, but um, you know, very traditional uh, methodologies go with MRD areas, uh, you know, uh, marketing or sales writing uh, the specs, so uh, to say, and what is the difference with what you're suggesting? Are you talking about the waterfall method where you do all the specs before for you For example, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> we don't practice that in our company. We do very quick development. We, we don't believe in having prolonged releases that would uh, take a long time because we want to react to the market. So we constantly push small changes, incremental changes that our customers really enjoy. This would not disrupt and if you have any problem, you can quickly roll back the change. But as far as customer service is concerned, it's a free-for-all. They pick up every call, and the irate customer who's annoyed is the one that needs the most attention because he's giving you valuable feedback. He or she is telling you that something's not working, and you, you should not rest while that thing is not working. You should take care of that, and that's our philosophy. We make sure that every little incident, every little problem is approached with great care. And by doing that, we've actually found that it reduces the total calls overall. You know, I, I remember reading about Henry Ford and how he started. He actually reduced the price of his car and made more money. We actually increase the support and we give unlimited support and receive fewer calls. And this is because that one problem that one irate customer has indicates that either they've used the system in a way that they shouldn't, which means that we need to put some safeguards in to make sure they don't use it again, or they are um, doing the same thing that other customers could. And in this day of social media, you certainly don't want angry customers talking about you. So we really focus on that. And you know, an example of what happened was we had a customer who ignored all warnings. These are companies that do billing for their customers. So we had a customer who was doing billing, 
ignored all the warnings, all the alerts our system put up, and sent out a $10,000 bill instead of a $100 bill. And it came up on Facebook. The recipient put it up on Facebook. So it was not our responsibility. We didn't do anything wrong. We gave all the alerts and all the warnings, but we still, our team still felt responsible. They felt his embarrassment, his agony, and they felt responsible. So they got together and they suggested a different way to do things so that it can never be done. So if you're using Stonic software, you cannot send out those anymore. They put together the design and they even got together and had a fun <coughs> session where they named that method. They called it the Terminator. So those of you in California would understand that. But um, they have such fun. They have these methods, billing methods that are called the judge, the Terminator. So they have these funny messages that say, oops, I'm sorry, or you had a message, you, you did something wrong. So it, it just brings us back to what Peter Drucker said, where you know the business, the, the job of a company is to get and keep customers, and that's what we try to do. Does it answer your question? Kind of. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.